His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. All the time. They're just awesome. And you know, it just says to me, there's just a pursuit going on. There's just a continual pursuit of the Lord. Uh, this year that we're coming into is going to be the year of 2020. And in um, the Hebrew, it is a year where you're going to begin to see things manifest even before you speak them. So literally, the Lord's running ahead of us. And so, but it's a time of revelation where we're going to see beyond what any of us have seen. And so I just, I love that he had shared that just about um, God wants to reveal to his children. He just wants us to see. And um, so in our pursuit of him, he's going to allow us to see. The only time you don't see, I believe, with the Lord is when your pursuit's not him anymore. And then then uh, vision gets a little cloudy or dim. You know, if I'm not seeing, then I got to think about what am I thinking about so much. And that kind of helps me realize why I'm not seeing. And I think uh, Jared shared a good one, fear. Fear will keep you from seeing. It just kind of clouds your glasses. Anyway, I woke up this morning, and um, uh, Hannah and Trent were supposed to share today. This is their Sunday, and they just haven't been feeling well. And and uh, I'm always got something going on, you know, that I'm thinking or whatever. So I'm like, oh, it's okay. I'll, you know, I'll do it. But the Lord asked me this morning when I got up, he says, why do you do what you do? Why do you do it? And, you know, then he said, I want it to always be all for me. He said, this church here was founded for me. It's not your church. It's his. And, and, and yes, it's only a part of it, too. It's just a building, in his, but it's his. And when you have an understanding, your children aren't yours, they're his. It, I mean, yes, there is ownership, but there is another part of understanding where your hands are free. I remember, I think it was, I can't remember what, Steve Hill, talking about a prophecy of live, not holding on to things. Live not, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And yes, promises are mine, but they're, because he wants to do them for you. So they still all come back to him. So why do you worship, Teresa? Oh, I worship because I'm here because I want to please you. You know, if, if it's a good word today, I hope it is. But if it isn't, I still came here because I wanted to please him. And I believe all of life has to be that. I really, really do. And I think that's what he's been doing. Father, we just ask you uh, that this word would be clear. And Lord, I just want to thank you again that all my life you've been faithful. But I also declare all my life I want to be faithful to you. Because you're still the center. I'm not. And God, I ask you for revelation in all our lives. Lord, I believe that lights the fire of passion again. When we understand you're the center. 
Yes, you did create us. Yes, you created us with desires and you love us and want to fulfill them. But you're the center. And it is all about you. I thank you, Jesus. Jesus only did what he did for the Father. What he saw the Father do. And he rested in the Father's love in what he did. But his whole purpose was for the Father. And he lives in us. We've died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. And our purpose is the same as Jesus. It's for the Father. So you do need ears to hear. You need to hear what the Father is saying. And you got to take time for that. I was reading about someone who had been fasting and that we were in a, and, and the Lord's told me, clear up to um, Rosh Hashanah. I want to say this, clear up to Rosh Hashanah is a time of, it actually is the season or the, the month of Elul. And it's a time of repentance and it's a time of getting your heart in tune with the Lord. And it's also a time of rest. It's a time to be quiet before the Lord and listen. And that's a season that we're in. God's seasons never changed, by the way. He created the Hebrew calendar. He created, uh, you know, the Gregorian calendar, which we follow, follow somewhat it, but he created his timetable. Well, this season that we're in is the time that Moses repented for Israel. It is the season that he repented. It is the season that he went up on the mountain. It is the season where atonement was made for Israel and where they were at. So um, saying all that, I want to read Exodus, uh, first of all, 32. And Israel had been given a call. First of all, they'd been saved. So they've been saved. They're Christians. Okay. Put it in our language. They're saved. They've found their deliverance, they've come out of Egypt, and they're saved. And God's only command, again, and it's the same one, worship me alone. Worship me alone. Well, they failed. And they failed a lot. And they failed continually because they couldn't get the idol of me out of the center of them. That's why Jesus went to the cross, so that idol would go. And that we could say, my thoughts are Christ. My heart is Christ. He died that I would be that. And I died with him on that cross. So saying all that, here we are. And so they've sinned and they've made a calf and they've done all this stuff. And the Lord spoke to um, Moses and he said, go back down from the mountain because your people who you led out of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've quickly abandoned they're the way of life I required of them. They have fashioned a calf out of gold and bowed down to it and offered sacrifices. And they are even crediting my work to that detestable idol saying, Israel, these are your gods. These are the ones that brought you out of Egypt. Oh, my goodness. I know these people and they're unbelievably stubborn. That's why Jesus died on the cross, by the way, because we are too. Leave me alone so that my anger can flare up and destroy them. And then I'll start over and continue my plans without them and make a great nation for you. I want to define the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
the Old Testament, God is demonstrating his hatred for sin. All through the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, he tells you what sin is, and then he demonstrates his hatred of sin. Why? Because sin kills. Sin has consequences. We're not even talking the judgments of God here. We're talking when you live in sin, you get consequences. It just is the way it is. So God loves us so much. And in the Old Testament, he loved him too. He gave him compassion. He was always giving him compassion because he loved him so much. He loved him so much, eventually he sent his son and the new covenant. And the new covenant is his love covers a multitude of sins. And he also gives us his very nature. He does cover our sins. Jesus told how many times he'll forgive you. Seven times 70. If you make an effort to repent on something. God, I'm sorry. God immediately says you're forgiven. And repentance also means that you're trying to walk away from it. But say it's still got a hold of you. An addiction. Ah, I'm back here again. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. And eventually, as you continue to pursue, you're always forgiven, always. And as you continue to pursue him and maybe take another baby step farther, the next thing you know, you're free from that sin because God desires to deliver all his people out of sin. He died on the cross. So the Old Testament is God's showing he hates sin. He hates evil. Whenever, ta- whenever you read scriptures about Jesus, it says you loved good or justice and you hated evil. That's just who God is. Why does he hate evil? Because it destroys, period. That's why. And why does he want to cover that sin? Because he wants your hearts changed and he wants you forgiven and with him forever. He never, never withholds forgiveness for someone who says they're sorry. But repentance also requires a little turning. Maybe you're struggling with the complete turning, but at least you're moving that way. I can tell you for things that I've gotten freed of, sometimes I had to ask for forgiveness a million times. I did. When I realized gossip was a sin, that's a good example. I did not know because I grew up and gossip was what people did. It's just life. You see it on the news. You see it on Facebook. You see it. Gossip, 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 gossip. And I remember all of a sudden I understood it was a gra- as grave a sin to the Lord as any other sin. Because it defames somebody. It hurts somebody else. And he loves everyone. Everyone. He loves your enemies. And he wants you to. So when I began to realize that, and that when it came out of my mouth, and also gossip can be just telling all the bad news. You know, I don't know about you, but if you've gone through a hard thing and maybe you didn't do so great in it, would you want the whole community to know your bad news? That only comes through gossips. And so I realized that. I began to know that. And my friends all know this. And there came a point, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And you stopped hearing it out of me. Did I fall? Could I fall now? Yes. Yes. But I will quickly turn because I know it's sin. 
And God wants what's coming out of our mouths to be blessing and love, not telling all the news and all the sin. And did you know so-and-so? And whoa, I knew that was just what a mess. I'm telling you, God hates that, but he also gives freedom. And he gave me freedom. And I hate it now because I know what it causes. And I also know it clouds my vision. To be thinking on somebody else's problems clouds your vision. And, what, and I, I'll tell you, there'd be so many times when the Lord would go, it was none of your business. And I'm just going to tell you that. Gossip is not your business. You don't need to know everything. And I tell you, that's why we need to be careful what we read and what we listen to. You don't need to know every negative thing. Or you've got to be the one to tell it. And God's just teaching us, and he's been teaching. So he re- when we repent, he helped me. That was over a process of time. I had a bad habit. I grew up doing it. It was life. It was just, it's probably American way of life, but it was life. And we didn't think it was a sin until I felt convicted and I knew. And I hurt people, and I did things that hurt people, and I was sick about it. I did not need to walk in that place and God freed me so God said to or Moses said to because he's going to destroy him he said um, I'm good leave me alone so I can destroy them and I'll start over and continue my plans without them and make a great nation out of you now I want to tell you and I know this is the truth God always wanted all of them he just knew Moses would be faithful He knew Moses would forgive and have a compassionate heart. Do you? Can he use you to include everybody? Can he use you to bring everyone in? And that's what he was saying. Then I'm going to start over. And yet Moses knew God was compassionate. And he didn't want anyone lost. He never has. So Moses said, oh God, why are you so angry? Now God is angry at sin. That's not people. What does your anger flare up against the people you led out of Egypt with so much power and a strong hand? Do you really want the Egyptians to say you deceived them and led them into the mountains in order to kill them and wipe their memory from the earth? I beg you to curb your anger and change your mind. Don't harm your people. Moses was in the place of Jesus right there. I want you to understand that intercession, God said in the Old Testament, I looked for a man. I looked for an intercessor. I looked for someone who would pray and come in in the middle of that and say, oh, God, heal. Oh, God, change. But Moses did it. Remember the sacred promise you made to your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You swore. So now he's using the word. I'll make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky, and I'll give them all of this land as I promised. It'll be their everlasting inheritance. You think God didn't know that? God's going, yeah, that's what I want. So God relented and did not destroy as he threatened to do. But God wanted that all along. I believe all along God had a heart for that. There's no way. You look at the old and new. It's God's heart. When people look at the Old Testament and they see the harshness against sin, they go, oh, he's a God of judgment. No, he's a God who hates sin. 
But he's a God of atonement. He's a God of healing. He's a God of forgiveness. And Jesus came to demonstrate that. So listen to who Moses was. I I love this. I've always loved this. Um, Brothers and sisters, you're now made holy, each of you, and invited to the feast of your heavenly calling. Fasten your thoughts fully on to Jesus, whom we embrace as our apostle and priest king. For he was faithful to the Father who appointed him in the same way that Moses, a model of faithfulness, was entrusted to him. He was just like Jesus. He was an example But Jesus is worthy to receive the greater glory more than Moses for the one who builds the house deserves much greater honor, much greater, I'm sorry, much greater glory than Moses for the one who builds the house deserves to be honored more than the house he builds. Every house is built by someone, but God is the designer and builder of all things and he alone is worthy. Indeed, Moses served God faithfully in all he gave him to do. His work prophetically illustrates things that would be later spoken of and fulfilled. He was like Christ, but Christ is more than a servant. He was a faithful son in charge of the house. Moses fulfilled what God desired. This man's going to be faithful. This man's going to forgive. This man's going to cry out. So I want you to read what God did for Moses, and it's amazing. Look, you tell me, this is chapter 33, verse 12. He's talking to the Lord, and he said, you tell me to lead these people. He relented and, and took care of them. But you haven't told me whom you'll send to accompany me. Yet you tell me, I know you by name, and I have gained my, you have gained my trust and blessing. That's what I want you to hear today. I know you by name, and you have gained my trust and blessing. God was saying to Moses, I know you, I trust you, and my blessing follows you. Does God know you? He knows of you. He only really gets to know you when you're with him. Does God know you? Can he say about you, I know you, I trust you. I trust you. Can God trust you? And my blessing will follow you. I, when I read that, I went, oh, my goodness. Because I've prayed for years. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to trust you. And the Lord's been speaking to me lately and going, you know me. And I'm like, I do. I know your voice. I know your heart. I know him. And when I read this, I went, Oh, my goodness, you know me. Father, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Can you bless my life? Well, he has. Well, he has. And he went on to say, if I've gained your trust and blessing, reveal your way 
open up the heavens and let me see more. And I believe that's for this season. By the way, this is the whole story of what happened in that season, the month of Elul. That's what it's all about is Moses and this repentance. If I've gained your trust and blessing, reveal your way to me. Open my eyes so I can truly know you, so I may gain your favor. Remember that this nation is your covenant people. I want to say something about that, too. God said Moses was faithful in his house. Moses was an intercessor. Intercession is something God calls his people to do. It was never just women. Most of the intercessors of the Old Testament were men. God called Moses to intercede on the earth for the purposes of his covenant people. God has called you, if he knows you by name, to be an intercessor for God's covenant people. That is all your children. That is all your people around you. I pray for you guys all the time. I was so blessed with Brandon's testimony, but I pray for them, that family, and I weep, and I cry, and I intercede because I'm going, God, let someone be found in the gap that would bring healing. Oh, God, make me one who is that kind of an intercessor. But I'm telling you, I'm not alone. That's the call of all of us. It is your call. Can he find you faithful? Does he trust you? Can he trust you with some information that you would pray rather than gossip? Can he trust you? In this hour, he's called us to be intercessors. We are the intercessors of this earth. I looked for a man. He looked for me. And I said, yes, Lord. Intercession is worship. We interceded today. The glory of God came into Owen County because we were worshiping. It is intercession. It's intercession. And Moses went on and said, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't lead me from here. How will the people know that I've gained your trust and your blessing if you don't travel with us? Isn't it the very fact that your presence is here with us that distinguishes us from every other person on the earth? And God said to him, I will do what you've said because you've gained my trust and blessing, and I know you by name. I'm telling you, he's call us, calling us into a deeper place. Does God know your name? I'm not saying, does he just know of you? Does he trust you? Can he make you one who stands in the gap in this hour? I don't know any meeting since we've been a body of believers, it's harder than to have people come to than when we come together and pray. It is the hardest meeting ever. Nobody can find time to come together and pray. And I, I'm not condemning anyone. I'm just telling you, it is across the board and across our nation. But I'll tell you, every time God moved, there was people getting together and praying. 
Whole cities got together. Businessmen got together. There was a spirit of prayer and intercession. I looked for someone to stand in the gap. And when I read that, I went, oh, my goodness, Lord. So then I was reading Matthew 16 this morning. And it was along with this. And Jesus was in this season, too, preparing his body preparing his people for when he was going to um, go to heaven, but he was preparing them. And he asked his disciples, and this is uh, 1613, and it's in the Passion Translation. He asked his disciples, when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question, what are the people saying about me, the Son of Man? Who do they believe I am? And they answered, Some are convinced you're John the baptizer. Others say Elijah reincarnated or Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But you, who do you say that I am? He's preparing him. Who do you say? Who runs your life? Who is it that's the center of you? Who do you say I am? Jesus asked, And Simon Peter spoke up and he said, you're the anointed one, the son of the living God. The son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're favored and privileged, Simon. You didn't discover this on your own. My father has supernaturally opened the heavens and revealed this to you. I give you the name Peter, a stone, a rock. And on this truth, I'm the son of the living God. I'm the Messiah, the truth of who I am. It will be the bedrock on which I will build my church. Now, I want to talk about what the church is. The church is God's legislative assembly. Moses was the legislator of Israel at that time. He was the governor. He was the ruler of Israel at that time when they were in the wilderness. But Jesus said, I will build my church, which is all of you, Ecclesiastes, all of you, my church, my legislative assembly. And the power of death and hell will not be able to overcome you. Now, this is what it means. It means that you were called together, summoned to govern the affairs of a community. You were called into an area where you live and you were called to govern there. You were called to be a legislator there through your prayers and through your intercessions and through your worship. You were called to the area you live in to be something for that area. And that area will be a glory to God if people will carry the areas they live in. If every church would begin to carry the areas they live in and be the legislative body, I believe we'd see revival everywhere. God is calling his church to that. I was listening to Chris Vallotton this morning, and he said, you've got to find a place of accountability. He said, there's large mega churches. He says, we're one of them, and nobody, everybody comes here, but nobody's accountable. 
Accountability is when people know your lives and you have pastors and you have elders and they know your life and they know what's going on in it. The world doesn't want any accountability. They want to do what they want to do in their own eyes. But accountability breeds the legislation and the power of a community. Um, when people know you, they know when you're sinning, and they pray for you and help you. If they're not gossips and judgmental, and don't go to them. Don't tell them anything. It's not just your friends, because your friends are going to tell you what you want to hear. Years ago, Ron and I felt called to go to Maine. And we went to our, our elders, and they were all young and kind of screwed up, but it was okay. They were. And they prayed over us. And then we went to his mom and dad, and his dad wasn't even a Christian. And then we went to my mom and dad, and we were in submission because we were taught submission, and that's how the government of God works. There is submission in the government. And all three came into agreement that it was God's timetable for us to go. And we went with the blessing of God everywhere we went. We've taught this for years, and so many people have left without any, yep, we're going. We're not accountable anymore. We're going to go somewhere else. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I'm telling you that God is calling a legislative body once again into the body of Christ. This is the hour. I know. I'm telling you. And when I heard Chris speaking the same message, I was going God, you're saying something to the church. You're saying something to the church that no one, I, I mean, how many times have I heard people say, I go to church on the, by the TV. I just watch Christian TV. I'm telling you, when you live like that, you produce very little fruit. Because fruit comes when you rub against each other and get irritated with each other and have to forgive one another over and over. This body has had a lot of forgiveness, and we've had to walk in a lot of times, ooh, I felt a little offended there, and you forgive and move on. Haven't you? We all have. We all have because it's life. I'm going to tell you it's the same with marriage. I am sick about marriage that it just flies by the wayside when you start getting offended with each other and when you start, I, uh, we just don't connect anymore. That is the exact same word. And I'm telling you, I thank God Ron and I have stuck our marriage out through thick and thin, and it's worth it. You're going to hear that counsel from us. Don't give up. Trust the Lord. Go after it. Love each other when you're unlovely. Love each other when there's messes. Anybody ever had messes with each other? Yes, we all have. We all have. Keep loving one another. Love covers. It's the New Testament. Keep going after relationships. Keep going after these things. This is the word of the Lord in these, this hour, you guys. It's where we're at. My legislative assembly to govern the affairs of a community, an area. I have given you the keys, governmental authority, the church for the area. He has not given, yes, men carry different offices, but he's given us the governmental authority to pray to heaven and call heaven down. 
I believe, uh, honestly, because Ron and I and a group of us interceded back in the 90s and 80s for prosperity of this community because it was when I came here and I was part of the Crisis Pregnancy Center, we were number one on the poverty level of all of the state of Indiana. And we started praying, and Cook came in, and Boston came in, and I'm telling you, it's just not over what's going to keep coming in. Because God wants to prosper us. He has prosperity. But it takes people who will pray. It takes people who will stay and plant and say, God, I'm asking you to do it here. Unless he's telling you to go somewhere. And if he is, then get our blessing. Go and get our blessing. I mean, honestly, I want you to go when you have a call. But not because you're disgruntled and not because you're offended. Oh, my goodness, some of the offenses that people have left over, their, their son was offended because a girl didn't like him. They're gone. You know, I mean, it's just that kind of junk that you go, what? I'm telling you something. Ron and I, if nothing else, and this leadership are loyal. We're here to stay. We're not perfect. You, gotta, you, better, you better forgive us. These messages are not perfect. You better forgive me. I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm going, God, you made us a family, a community. Help us to be a legislative body that takes heaven and brings it to earth. If you're not praying, it ain't going to happen. If you're not agreeing with people, And I'm not just talking your mate. All the forces of hell will never have the power to win a victory over this legislative body. There is no power of darkness that can stop the advancing church that Jesus builds. I want to link with the other churches in this area. I want, to, I want to see a group community prayer. I want to see God do things. We're not the only body. But we are a family. And we carry authority. We have a call. And Jesus said, I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom to forbid on earth that which is forbidden already in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. I believe the greatest release that could ever come to this area is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that the homes that are so full of drugs and messes are getting healed, and marriages. I still, I mean, you'll never see me stop crying out for that stuff. God needs to move, and it takes commitment. And it takes prayer. He gave his disciples strict orders not to tell anyone he was God's anointed one because persecution was coming. And it wasn't time yet. There's no darkness that can stop the advancing church that Jesus builds. Only when we stop praying and grow cold can this occur. It's man's choice. It's all our choice, you guys. We've been called. We've been called. Ask God to show you. Yes, he wants you to fulfill your call, but this is the greatest call because he gave it to the whole church. 
He gave it to all of us. There's nobody exempt here. There's nobody that's not called to pray for their neighbors and pray for the move of God. He called for us to pray for the marriages. He called for us to pray. He did. And he called for us to worship. I have just known, and then he told me, he said, this is a season. I want you to rest before me. I want you to be quiet and rest and listen to me because I have assignments. I have assignments for you. I believe they're prayer requests. I believe they're, they're going to be things that he wants changed, that he's going, I'm looking for a man who'll stand in the gap. I mean, there aren't very many in the New Testament that talk about what great men, and here Moses was. I don't know about you guys, but faithful in all his house. If you could get any testimony, wouldn't you want it to be that? I would. I do. That means I got to keep changing. That means I got to keep yielding. I know there are things still fearful and just junky in my life that I go, Lord, that doesn't look like you yet. I want it to. Make me shiny. Make me new. And he does it. You guys, he does it. Every time you ask, he does it. The month of Elul, I don't know if I'm even saying it right, which is right now, is the time to take stock. The time of Moses becoming the great intercessor, faithful in all of God's house. It's the time of rest, stock-taking and heart-searching. It's a month of repentance, and it's a month of forgiveness because God forgives. God forgives. Chuck's coming at the end of this month, and we used to have a prophet that came, and his name was David Dryling, and he... He was a, a, a true prophet of God. His words came to pass, and, and he, he, he was uh, very, very Jewish, and we had fun with him, but he also heard God. And he said several things to me for us years ago to all of us. He said, don't ever lose your house of prayer. He said, you're founded on that. Don't ever lose it. And over the years, I've contended and prayed but I'm going, God, please help us. In the school of ministry, we've been teaching the kids to pray, and a lot of them are starting to come into the intercession now. And, and on one Sunday a month, I think they go in and pray with the kids, and they pray. You, you guys have done awesome teaching your children to pray. But there needs to be an understanding. It's a calling, and it's an assignment. It's not just for other people. We have to see that. We're all called to worship. We're all called to be this governing body that says on earth as it is in heaven. I'm asking it and I'm declaring it on earth as it is in heaven. Anyway, I said, Lord, it's been a long time since you've sent us a prophet. You know, I, I, I would love to have that. And he said, well, you didn't recognize him. And I went, oh. And the Lord told me that Chuck Marr was the prophet that he had sent us. And I thought, oh my goodness. When he came, 
He recognized Ruth Heflin being in this. He, he recognized all this stuff. He saw it all. It was amazing. I, he recognized the glory. He said, this church is a church to carry glory. And he just recognized the stuff. But he's so laid back and not what I expected, quote, a prophet to be. David Darling at least was abrupt and told you off. I mean, he did. He told you off. He told me off. He'd tell us off, you know. But, but Chuck's kind of like, oh, I see, oh, well, you know, kind of thing. And the Lord said, but you haven't pulled on him. Because if you want a prophet's reward, you've got to recognize a prophet. And he said, he's coming. And I want you all to begin to pray and recognize a prophet and ask God that he would speak to us. And I know that um, Newhart is joining with us, that he would speak to them. We've talked, we talked to Joey and Sarah about this, and they said, yes, we want to do that. That he would speak to us, that he would give words for our community. He has a heart. You know, it's so amazing because I know they're in Austin, Texas, and they got big, you know, so they're in San Antonio, but they also have a church in Austin that they go and do. And, and I'm like, Lord, we're just little. You know, I drive past our little thing and it says 2,000-something. You know, I'm like, we're just a, we're a little remnant of your body here in this community. Yeah, we don't have access to the big stuff sometimes. And yet someone like that comes and sees the value of us. David said the same thing. David said, you don't know what you've got here. You don't understand what God has built. And then um, Chuck has said the same thing. He said, I love coming here because the presence is here. You guys, we've got an assignment for this month. We've got an assignment to be still before the Lord and listen. To believe. I loved, I loved Jared's word, have faith, believe. But he also wants those miracles to call them down from heaven on earth. I always, if I look at Katie, you know, after Jared, she's, she's a woman of faith. She just is. She believes. I don't know if anybody remembers, but she had those warts all over her knee. I don't know if it was at both knees, just one knee, but both knees. I mean, and she would not give up. God told me. He gave her a key that said believe, and she's just like, it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. And I can tell you that it's harder to have faith for someone else when they know that they know it's awesome because you can go, yeah. But it's harder at times because you're like, I haven't seen that one before. I've never seen Buddy's warts disappear before. And she prayed, and she believed. And God healed her completely, totally. Now, it doesn't have them at all anymore. I mean, and it wasn't something she could do. It wasn't something she fixed on her own. God did it. And I'm going, Lord, you want us to have faith in our belief. You want us in this rest to have great faith. Believe him. Listen to him. He wants you to pray prayers. He wants us as a group to pray prayers that call heaven to earth.
God wants to demonstrate his glory, yes, in Owen County and surrounding areas. I believe every church he wants to do that. I do. But we were planted here. And we say yes, Lord, to it. Let's stand. Lord, I want to thank you for all the teachers that we've had in our lives. I thank you even now for all the the pastors, Lord, for Bill and, and uh, Chris that help guide us as pastors. I just want to thank you for them. I want to thank you for the accountability that we've begun to have with them. And, Lord, that we are meeting with regional uh, uh, churches now and people. I thank you for that, Lord. We've wanted that. But, Lord, I want to thank you that you've held us accountable in this church with our brothers and sisters. Lord, when I would be so down with Ron, I would be held accountable. People would expect me to believe, and I did. I would, when I was so down over that cancer, they would expect it. They would give me good words. They would give Ron and I good words. And I would believe. Lord, we need each other and we need the faith that each other has. Lord, we ask you that we would be a legislative body here, an intercessor in the gap that would believe for this county would believe for your whole church that we would come in unity. God, that you would bring about. So I'm asking, Lord, like Moses, that you would make every person in this place, every person in this place faithful in all your house. Make us faithful in all your house. Lord, I thank you today that you hear us and we believe that we're going to hear. So give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and faith to believe. And we just say yes to you, Lord. Do it. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. 